Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, friends. My name is Artie13, and I am pleased to introduce this episode of the Crankshaft Podcast, a show where Roderick, Sanity, and myself discuss the things that interest us the most with a focus on horror media and the like. The show will begin momentarily, so grab a snack or beverage, regulate your breathing, and never mind that shadow in the corner. Before we begin, I'd like to mention that the Crankshaft Podcast is brought to you by Ince Entertainment. Ince Entertainment is a small business dedicated to the spirit of gaming and fun. With a small stable of VTubers and multiple projects ranging from comics to game production, Ince has a vision of making entertaining media for gamers at heart without all the big business and cash grabbing. If that sounds cool to you, go check us out over at IncGaming.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's E-N-C-E-G-A-M-I-N-G. Hey everyone, this is Rodrick, chilling with Artie and Caveman, and this is Crankshaft. We are glad to have you with us, and we are going to be talking about the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that presented itself on Netflix. Uh, if you guys want to introduce yourselves, even though I introduced you already, um, well, let's get to it. All right. Well, I am obviously Artie, um, and our permanent uh, uh, guest star. Yeah, and um, so yeah, like we're we're I'm excited to talk about this Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, but um, <laughs> it, it's it's a thing. But there's there's one more of us. Introduce yourself, friend. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm Caveman. Same with everyone else, too. We're going to be talking about Chains- Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Granted, this is a franchise I'm not fully familiar with, in a sense. Saw a few bit on and off, unlike the other two here that have pretty much seen everything about it. So, Should yeah, be fun. we, uh, <laughs> it's a, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a, it was a passion at a point. So, so the the first thing I actually want to mention about this movie has to do with every other movie in the series, because I feel like this is something that's important to me at least, even though it has nothing to do with the movie. Um, well, it does have something to do with the movie, but like not this one in particular. So, in the first movie, realistically, um, Leatherface, um. I don't believe he actually had a name. I think it was just Leatherface in that. Am I correct on that? No, um, I'm almost or, or, positive that he was credited in the end credits. Maybe I'm wrong. It may have been Leatherface, but I want to say it was Bubba Sawyer. Let's well, in find the second out. film, I in the second film I remember him being called Bubba Sawyer, but the first one I don't remember him having a name. It was the Sawyer family, of course, um, but I don't remember him actually having a name in in the second one because they retconned the second film uh by making the third film and they named him junior sawyer or just junior sorry um and it was the sawyer family the fourth uh named texas chainsaw massacre uh the next generation which uh, i was talking to cayman earlier and it it sounds like a star trek like movie name honestly (laughs) it does um but they changed the name, the family name, the Slaughter. How peculiar! No, um, so he is credited. Gunnar Hansen is credited as playing 
Leatherface in the original 1974. Okay, yes. So yeah, so, the second film is when they officially called him Bubba Sawyer. And like I said, the third one, they called him Junior. The fourth one, um, which can be seen as a reboot, so he would be Bubba Slaughter or Junior Slaughter. They, I don't think, I, I don't remember that one too much. It, I kind of ignored it. Just Both like of which day. sound like bad guys in a movie made by Rob Zombie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Junior Slaughter. The 2003, which we will talk about, mm. I, I know I'm not a fan of that one. Mm. It was the one by Michael Bay. Mm-hmm. Where he was named Thomas Brown Hewitt, which is not a Southern name at all, and it doesn't sound intimidating whatsoever. Uh, I'm sorry, some dude named Thomas Brown Hewitt is going to be running after me a chainsaw. I'm slightly less intimidated than Bubba Sawyer. Um, <laughs> and then in Texas Chainsaw 3D, they named him Jedediah Sawyer, which we're, we're going back to the Southern roots. No, why this is important to me is his he's been named five different times and in in this one which is a if if i remember correctly is a direct sequel from the first movie so they've reconned all the other films again just like how the third film basically came down and in that case, he's just known as Leatherface um, in, in this film. Because um, even even um, characters in the movie only refer to him as Leatherface. So Which he, I will say I was taken slightly aback by the fact that he is name-dropped as Leatherface. Yeah. When it's more of like a name for the fans, I feel. And yeah. it, it feels campy to, to just outright call him oh, leatherface yeah like to have a character in the movie be like it's leatherface like i what <laughs> like um i mean yes you're not wrong but it feels like you should be wrong <laughs> like absolutely well um, in a sense like they really don't have any grounds for calling him leatherface I that's what i mean it was weird comes up until sally shows up in a sense yeah yeah Unless she just they, randomly just like a quick mention at the beginning at the gas station but it's just like there's really nothing not even a name given to his main character it's well i think i think during the the uh exposition at the very beginning they did call him leatherface during that sort of like film thing where they're talking about the, the incident that happened so obviously there was a documentary made about the events of the original movie sometimes between 1974 and now and apparently the media would have dubbed him Leatherface if he was called Leatherface in this documentary. Yeah. It's a good way I think to canonize the name but I I don't see this film as canonizing anything so we'll get to that. Yeah, the the reason why I was f- referring to not only his name in this movie, names was an issue I had with the movie in general. Um, <laughs> like how I, we couldn't remember any of them? Yeah, so characters in this movie felt... Um, they just felt so loose. Because no, you could not remember any name except for just a few. 
So the first one, obviously, is going to be Sally. She was the survivor from the first uh, film. And honestly, she was only memorable because if you had watched the first film, she was the name. Um, but realistically, we started calling people by like characteristics because their their names were not memorable in this movie at all. Um, we had uh, so I actually pulled it up because honestly, like I said, their names were not memorable. There was a Texan dude who liked guns and everything, and we called him Tex or Texas. <laughs> Texas. Um, we, Rats we in the corn, East Texas. We we had a uh, his name actually was Richard. Richter, uh, yeah. Richter, yeah. Um, we had a curly hair girl, um, and her sister. Both Mel and Melody, by the way, are their names. No, no, no. The the little sister is Lila. Lila. But like I I think I commented at one point okay. that her name had only been mentioned like once before in the movie, and I didn't know what her name was until she was off screen and said something. And it put her name at the front of the subtitle to tell you who was talking. And the I, she runs off the bus and screams Mel. So she's screaming for her sister. But I thought the lady on the bus that was hollering at her was screaming Mel. So for a second, I was like, oh, so she's Mel. And then it said Lila at the beginning of the um, next. I was like, I was confused. Yeah, exactly. You, you it did it to you, too. <laughs> I was like, I didn't I didn't know their names at all. And then this one subtitle confused me. I was like, so is she Mel? Which one's Mel? <laughs> like, so yeah, in, in general, the names were the worst. The characters were phoned in so hard. Like, um, yeah, and and if you, if you want to sort of talk about the beginnings of the movie, because this is where like everything sort of crumbles near the very beginning of the movie. Yeah, um, so... From the beginning of the movie, now I went into this, no, okay, just to give anybody some background on it, if you've not seen it, or if you're a fan of this, the, the franchise, I will say, if you're a fan of the franchise, don't go into this thinking that this is going to be a, a franchise movie, or that it's going to, it's literally fan service with, like, you could mad lib this plot. <laughs> like it, it, it almost feels like a Mad Lib now that I'm like thinking about it. Um, so the the premise of the movie is this group of not teenagers, but not grown ups either. I guess I don't know. It's it's weird. They're, they're those in between people that aren't grown up yet, but they're not kids either. But two of them are famous chefs. Um, and they they hatch this dream to outright by this ghost town in the middle of texas um and move in all these investors and kind of start this like startup community um of entrepreneurs and the movie starts with them stopping at a gas station and meeting the gas station attendant and you know he's watching the the, the documentary on leatherface which just happens to be called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, because they did that at the very beginning of the movie, um, and it, you're very quickly introduced to everyone who matters. Um, well, big parentheses on that matters. Well, matters. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're very quickly introduced to your, you know, main cast of cannon fodder, 
whom you are going to immediately forget their names. And, you know, even even our boy East Texas shows up at the beginning in his big diesel truck and his, his you know, 44 on his hip and stuff. Um, and they they did a lot to try to humanize and give you a reason to care about the characters. Um, one of the characters, Lila, the younger sister, was like a survivor of a school shooting, and so she's got phobia of guns. And her sister is a famous chef who's super overprotective and treats her little sister like a baby and like she can't do anything for herself. But all of these points that they try to make to humanize the characters are going to be immediately lost on you because <laughs> like they give you this exposition to make you care about the characters. And then it, the story itself doesn't carry the weight of what they're trying to do. Um, because then you immediately get to the old tropes, um, you know, of like, yeah, they no, try no, to I'll, do I'll, this I'll... racial conflict thing and I'm going to let Roderick talk about yeah. it because it, it didn't fly. It didn't play well. And it, I feel like the actors didn't even, it's not that the actors were the problem, but like you could, you know, you could lay solid gold on, you know, but if you're following the script and the script is bad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sure. It it more or less felt like they took these characters, made them as a caricature for the quote-unquote modern generation in a sense, and then placed them in a location they knew nothing about just for them to ha be mad at everyone else for not being up to date on everything in a sense. Even though they are, they're in a ghost town. They're in a place that the whole premise of a ghost town is you have everyone's basically moving out, no one's moving in. You nothing changes culturally. It's a dying place, and once that's it, that's it. It becomes just like a photograph of the past in a sense. That's what the entire town looked like. So yeah. then to just bring, you know, so modern yeah. age people in there just for them to get pissed off at everything, including at one point there is a Confederate flag flying, doesn't sort of move anything forward because it's still it would be like going to a Wild West town and just being pissed on how they're portraying the Wild West, even though that's what it was like back then. It yeah. So, it just throws everything out in a sense. So I'll, I'll pick up from that. So basically, um, two of the characters um, go into <laughs> this town basically as young entrepreneurs with their friends, uh, or friend and her sister. And they are trying to basically, uh, the phrase I believe is gentrify. I was going to say it's called gentrification at some point yes. like during this, but yeah. you know. The term, the term carries kind of a negative connotation, but because uh, it's yeah. usually a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but basically they're trying to turn this old, old abandoned town into a trendy sort of town where anyone can like basically like spruce it up and, and, and change it. And they, they get there like a few hours before the bus does. And, and realistically, we, we talked about this. It was like, if you were investing into a town to auction it off, you would usually want to visit like a week before or a few days before, just so you can make sure everything's in tip top shape. You have all the, um, you have everything, you know, together and 
there's nothing in between. But going off that, these people are not prepared, and they go into town and be like, well, someone's still living here, and is that a Confederate flag? Let's get angry at that. Let's take it down before these people get here. So they get, they go into a house. There's this old lady in there, and she um he he's he's angry about the flag, and he's just like, we own this house. You need to get out. You need to go to an elderly home. You need to leave. And she's like, well, I I own the paper, and then he gets angry, curses at her. And effectively, she gets a heart attack from this, and she's escorted off. And which, by the way, I just want to add on to that, too. She, like, the actress that they had to play, this elderly lady, she owned, this was, the building they were at was an orphanage. She was honestly a lovely lady right off the bat. She didn't get really mad or pissed that they were in her house. Yeah, she at a moment, it's like, what are you people doing in here? But then immediately went kind and just offered them iced tea. So it was just like, yeah, and, and that looks like some good iced tea right there. Oh, yeah, I was, I was charmed immediately. I was like, I want some tea. The, the this lady seems like she makes good tea. Um, was the fact that like, well, not frustrated. Um, it, it, it she, she made a huge point. It is a very southern thing. Um, is they cursed in front of her and she's like don't do that in my house and she tells him to watch his mouth and he, and then he's like you watch yourself like make, you're making a threat in the old lady are you serious dude and, and i understand the point that they're trying to make because you do have a lot of people there is the argument between like what is history and what is you know symbols of prejudice and i will not comment on that because I really don't stand on either side of it. Um, I, my family is not even from the United States <laughs> initially, so it doesn't matter to me. Um, but she mentions, you know, after he, he gets mad and storms off after the interaction and, and one of them stays, you know, the girl, his, his, the other chef stays melody. I think is that one's name. Yes. Um, yes. And the old lady says, you know, she, she, she gets very upset and she's like, is this about, is this about the flag? Like, I, you know, I've literally never thought of it. It belonged to my great granddaddy and this lady's got to be like, what, 80 or whatever. And so like her great granddaddy would have been around and like, you know, you know, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, civil war kind of stuff. So like, it makes sense that she would have this flag. I mean, and, and being from a place, you know, like. Harlow, Texas, that when it had people living in it, had a grand total of a thousand, um, you know, that this isn't the kind of thing that a person like that is going to think of. She doesn't seem to be in any way malicious or in any way, you know, like maybe a little old in her ways, but not like even outwardly pleasant and doesn't seem to have any prejudice towards, you know, anybody that she encounters. Yeah. Like, she was she was actually really nice to the two of them. Never said a like a horrible comment or anything <laughs> degrading or anything mean. And I, I think that was the point that they were trying to sort of push across, but like they also push it in a very poor way to where it's just like saying like both sides are wrong here. And and realistically though, like she she was trying to be as helpful and nice as possible. 
the point that I think the film was trying to make, and, and I'm not going to say that the film was trying to make any very deep points, um, cause it's, you know, it's a slasher flick in, in every way. Um, so it's not really making any deep social commentaries, but the little bit of social commentary it tried to make in a few scenes really fell flat. Yeah, definitely. Well, because it comes across differently. If it was going up against a character that was full on resistance to the change and everything, you can make certain points here and there. But they were dealing with a character who, in a sense, wasn't full on resistance, wasn't really full, like, open arms to the changes going on, but realized what was happening, in a sense. The yeah, if you showed up at my house. That, yeah, the only stance that she had that she was pushing back against was that no i already took care of everything with the bank this property is still mine you guys bought the rest of the like town and everything but this is still mine i have the papers that yeah, was I mean, the only thing that she was it wasn't like how dare you kids buy this town again just open arms hey you kids want some iced tea and all that stuff like she didn't fight back against it that was but that was the only thing that she had was like, this house is mine that's Clear cut, I have the paperwork. You guys can't just come in and kick me out. And trying to make a social commentary off of that doesn't work whenever that's the only thing of young kids coming in to kick her out, but then somehow trying to make it a subtle thing about race and time, like differences of time setting, doesn't work when the whole argument just comes down to. Does she own this property? Does she not? <laughs> In a sense. And I think a thing that I may have noticed, and I don't know if I commented on it at the time, but it does feel like what someone did with the movie is that they took a lot of like plot line spitballs yeah. and they threw them all at the wall. And a few of them stuck, to see what stuck and yeah. they went with it. But, and then it, so you have this, like, you know, the kids are coming to spruce up the town kind of thing. And like all of this, um, I actually think that one of the characters, the gas station attendant at the beginning, when they're leaving the gas station, like under his breath, mutter, you know, mutters gentrifiers or something like that. And then there's yeah. this bit of like tension between Richter, East Texas, and Melody because he's carrying a gun and her sister was a victim of a school shooting. And but all of these points are made and then immediately they're no they're not made again. Does that make sense? Like yeah, it does. It, again, it's putting them in a setting that they don't know anything about just to get mad because things aren't the way that they know it. It's almost like trying to do character or world building, but you would have done better to just have left it out because there wasn't enough time spent on it and it wasn't gripping enough that I feel like like it was only like a wasted effort in a way. Like could have done well, more right, with Leatherface, in my opinion. Well, right off the <laughs> bat, they're in Texas. They shouldn't be shocked that a person has a pistol on them. I love his excuse. He's like, we're plagued by feral hogs. And then I'm like, well, given what I know about Texas, yeah, Rob, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> like, there well, are about um, 15 different reasons why you would carry a gun living in the middle of nowhere in Texas. I, I actually had, um, so, so when, 
every every time I've I've visited, uh, like 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 the the areas I I, I go hunting in Texas, um, every single farmer I meet always carries a pistol or a gun, and it, it it's the entire point is because of two reasons: coyotes and hogs. Or actually, they call them. Uh, actually, so they they wouldn't actually say hogs. Um, which the reason why um, they they would actually call them javelina. Well, because they're 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 Spanish pigs, and or they're they're from south of the border. They're from Mexico, correct? I don't remember, but um, they call these them aren't javelina. pigs, friends. Like just anyone who's who's listening to this, if you don't. Google a javelina, it's not a pig. It's dangerous <laughs> and and it's big and it's then they're they're pretty aggressive. I yeah, have... but the naming sounds cute though. It sounds adorable. It even <laughs> it even looks cute from a distance. Yeah. It sounds like the alternate name for like a teacup piglet or so. Which, oh, it's I, I have I I have shot one and the thing just stared at me for for like. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um, I saw someone shoot a pig one time. Um, now this was years and years ago in southern Georgia in a place that's not on the map, so you guys don't try to cancel me, okay? Don't call PETA or anything. People were gonna eat this pig. The problem is is that when they shot it, it the, the pig's pig skulls are so thick that the bullet lodged in his in his skull and it just made him mad. <laughs> and uh so he he lived a, another few years because after after shooting him once and he didn't die, no one had the heart to shoot him again. And so he just lived another like four or five years with a bullet lodged in his head. It was fine. It didn't didn't seem to bother him at all. Um, I mean, that's also one of those things out there. Points like you go to shoot him, and he just walks it off, and just be like, "Okay, that's he's earned it." That's Artie's out of context story for this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there is a context that would have that makes sense in a long shot. I mean. Let's talk about Bubba, Leatherface, if you will. Whichever name he wants to go by in this movie. So which I want to know how how did he how did he get to the orphanage? Why did he go to the orphanage? The rest of his family's still alive. By the end of the events of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Granted, there is like a after credit scene of him just hobbling back to the old family house, but that there's a lot of stuff because again, this is the whole framing for this movie. It's been fifty years since the original one. This is a direct sequel to it. A lot of it doesn't make sense as what was brought up of he's living he's been living in this orphanage for fifty years, but he has a family farmhouse. And they're even at the ending scene, there's not like, you know, any police line tape up or evicted notice or anything up. It's granted it's a degraded house because it looks like no one's lived in it forever, but it's still a house. So mm-hmm. there's no reason for him to be living in an orphanage unless there's other stuff that's not implied. And also, if this is supposed to be the same character, then this leather face like is also. Man. 
like yeah way yeah he should be yeah he should be somewhere around 80 years old which this fella is obviously not and it can do a full-on sprint and swinging around a chainsaw and speaking of like 30 feet speaking of uh roger and i (laughs) went super meta last night and we're like googling his model of chainsaw so Ooh, I actually that. did a little extra research on it uh, today. Do you want to hear? I would love to hear this. Yes. So the chainsaw he uses is a Poulin Model 306A. It was introduced in 1970 and was discontinued in 1980. Um, and it was obsoleted in 1987. Um, so it actually pretty good uh, in, in terms of in terms of the time it was probably one of the top chainsaws for its time um now in comparison you you had one uh chainsaw that was above it i'll I'll have to say in in terms of quality um but this was a um everyone knows this company nowadays um which was its competitor husqvarna was its competitor uh, mm. Now the Husqvarna um, was introduced in 1971, um, and it had a maximum engine RPM of like 7200, which is so that's a good 700 more than the yeah the which would yeah the the Poulin that that uh, Bubba uses is 6500. See, guys, uh, I told y'all we went super meta with the, <laughs> like we we got um, way too interested in this one thing. For some reason, no, I, I I will say though, um, the chainsaw he used was about um, we rounded up, but it was like thirteen pounds roughly. Um, it had a centrifugal clutch. Um, it had automatic feeding for the oil. So like when he's actually pulling the chainsaw, technically he didn't have to pump it. That was something that I specifically looked at. Because I was trying to figure out with the times it it stalled out and everything, and he could just know. reach out and like pull the ripcord and immediately crank the switch yeah. back. I never had to prime it or anything he like never that. Had to prime it, but it had an automatic uh, like primer, so you you wouldn't have to worry about that. So if you're a um, stickler for realism, like you know that argument can't be made. His chainsaw yeah. would crank. <laughs> like it, it it had both a manual and automatic. Um, I don't know well, about once you got the carburetor all clogged up with you know, human guts and shit, but whatever. <laughs> but that's <laughs> like, the point. Like we, um, the longest guide bar, which is what I was assuming this one had, was a twenty-four inch guide bar. Um, that's pretty decent. That's a two-foot guide bar, man. Like realistically, I mean, you, you can tell, yeah, good, can, good chainsaw. You could hack up a person with that for sure. Um, actually, what I found even more interesting is that chainsaw um, was manufactured in Louisiana. So it would make sense for uh, a Texan to have that chainsaw. Nifty. And you're saying all this is the chainsaw that he's using in this movie? Yeah, no, it's the same exact chainsaw exact that he uses okay. in the original movie. It's the same that's, color. That's another one it's I got the same make sure as well. As where on the logo. I pulled I up images. Well, like, not just you, but for, like the people doing this movie as well. If they didn't try to update his chainsaw for some reason, yeah. make sure no, it was the original one. No, yeah, you can pull up side by side images, and and it, they even weathered it in the same. It looks the exact same. 
Yeah, it was a nice honestly. touch. It was it was good fan service. <laughs> I liked it. Um, but if you are familiar with chainsaws, I don't know a lot of people that are. Um, they did use the ball and caged like needle roller. So if um if you actually take the chain off, it has all the balls in a row, and that's how it rotates. And it makes it so they are less likely to get jammed, or or for the anything. chain to pop off or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. So and and uh, if we're if we're talking like some realism here, the chainsaw actually makes sense in, in terms of like cutting people. I really love the touch as well that this chainsaw has been in a wall for somewhere between forty mm-hmm. and fifty years, and when he goes to crank it up the first time it won't run and he has to take it into his bedroom and you hear him working on it and like and then he get he is able to start it up i just like the touch yeah. and it's weird because i feel like a lot of people listening to this are going to be like man this guy just spent 20 minutes bashing this movie and now he's fawning over the chainsaw <laughs> like dang friend you okay there yeah, <laughs> I can edit that out and my, 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 no, that was pretty. Nah, we're we're live on the air, but but yeah, like no, I'm I'm kind of fawning over the parts of the movie that I really liked because I feel like the fan service, while a bit campy, I'm talking Evil Dead levels of camp here in some of this, but it it was it was what it needed to make the movie worth watching at all. Um. Leatherface bugged the shit out of me, but once he put somebody else's face on, it was fine. Um, you can't tell how old he is when he's wearing somebody else's face. Yeah, let, let's definitely talk about that for a second. Um, so I'm going to push uh, the story a little further along so we get to that part. So old lady gets a heart attack, and one of the characters, uh, girlfriend, the the uh, the, I think the one that Dante. matters the least, like Dante's girlfriend. Dante, sorry, yeah. character name was Ruth. Okay, does it so ever Ru- say her name? Apparently, uh, at the beginning when they're stopped by the sheriff and deputy when they're introducing themselves. Oh, that's right. This is my like, my partner. Like, and well, my the main person is like I'm Dante. This is my future wife, Ruth. All right, oh, yeah, so they bro. said her name one time. It's a yeah, Uncle what? Bob situation. <laughs> So, so realistically, so R- Ruth goes in the, by the way, when, when, when she gets the heart attack and they call the, the police, the police are there in like 10 seconds. Um, it's like they were there We're, the entire time. I live in well, a mountain it, town across the road from the police station and it would still take them a good five minutes to show up. I could throw a rock and hit the building. Like, granted, granted she had the heart attack while the police were escorting her out because she threw up. Yeah, so they were going to escort her out, but dude grabbed her. Yeah, the deputy grabbed her, and she got, like, super, like, started panicking or whatever, and that's when she had her heart attack. Mm -hmm. So really, the cops killed her. (laughs) In theory, yes. I mean, realistically. (laughs) All right, sorry, Roger. Continue. Oh, it's fine. Um... So yeah, so she she gets a heart attack. Ruth goes in the car, and um, they 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 effectively, or not the car, the the police van. They they go down the street. She effectively dies, and then. But Bubba Bubba, goes with them, which is weird to me. Like the way that it played out, and he just like, 
So they knew he was there, because when he comes down the stairs, the sheriff says, oh, don't worry, it's her boy. Like, they've met him before, they know he lives there. Like, it's a plot hole for me, y'all. It's a plot hole. How the fuck do they not know that that's... It's fine. Well, again, it's it's a lot of plot holes. They tried to explain it at the beginning. It's like they never knew who the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, who Leatherface was, because he had a mask on. So, no, you can't find someone you don't know what they look like. That was the whole explanation for it. But if Sally spent 50 years (laughs) looking for a dude whose house is apparently within walking distance of this town, if the, the end credit thing is to be believed... Like, how the fuck did she never look at this orphanage? And how did nobody be like, hey, this one fully grown-ass man showed up at the orphanage right after all your friends were murdered? Like, I don't know, man. I I digress. (laughs) Continue, I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. We had problems with that part, too. Like I said, it's really weird just knowing that he's, like, 80 years old and he's just (laughs) still kicking it. But, um... So he 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 gets in the car with them and they're driving off. Blah blah blah. She dies and then Baba just goes berserk and he snaps his dude's arm and then stabs him with his own arm. Um, with the bone sticking out, by the way. Pretty yeah. neat kill. Though. It was actually kind of a cool. This is a neat kill. kill, yeah. But here here's something else that I want to bring up now. How bones if, break and if you can stab yourself with it? I don't no, know. No, not, not necessarily <laughs> that. It was just the like reactions. It was the reactions the other characters had in that scene. Like, why did the sheriff immediately start swerving all over the road when he wasn't the one that was attacked? Not necessarily, not necessarily that. It was the deputy in the back with both of them. She's dying, and he, you know he's trying to shake that oxygen canister and everything and the deputy goes to stop him is like look she's gone already and all this stuff the reaction then turns into and other characters play this as well is that they know that they're dealing with a monster but not tr- and realize they just pissed it off but narratively it wouldn't make sense because if this is retconning all the other movies then you wouldn't have characters thinking that sort of way of, oh, I just pissed off this monster. It's you're trying to calm someone down. You wouldn't just try to do that and then just go, oh, shit, I'm dead. Well, the yeah. way he looked at him, like, I, I don't know. I'd have been shitting it, too. Well, that's, that's sort of the way anyone would sort of look. If, like their parent or whatnot that they were really close to for apparently 50 years just died in their hands and everything. But... It's just the reaction that the other characters give of, we know that we're dealing with Leatherface or this monster that went on a slaughter 50 years ago, but in the context of everything, there's no reason for them to act that way. If every other movie doesn't exist anymore, then you sort of don't have that buildup to it. If you see what I'm going off of, or if I need to explain it better. No, no, I, yeah, I get you. Well, again, because if it was something that happened 50 years ago, everyone's assumption is like, the person's probably dead. But if you add in every other movie, then you have the events that happened 50 years ago, and then the years after that, years after that, building up to now. To well, not only that, like the active. old deputy wouldn't have even been alive during the events of the first movie. Like, exactly. 
hey hey look what 40 max like yeah he wouldn't have been alive in 1974 and if he had been alive he would have been like a literal baby so I mean, it makes sense i guess I, I mean and at the same like i said at the very beginning of all of this is that like you're gonna have to just they're the maximum levels of suspension of disbelief um and just enjoy it for what it is where you can because it was a it was a good attempt at something that ended up being nothing but fan service in all the wrong ways like i love the fan service but it bothered me that they focus so much on fan service that even though yeah even though they retconned everything back to the original this being a sequel to the original makes the original not make sense or this doesn't make sense one like yeah but but yeah so after they after they leave and there's like what do they they run into a tractor or some shit like how does because yeah. i remember the sheriff no i i was kind of so, in so, and yeah, out i'll, I'll like, explain that part yeah no, so i'll explain that part so basically what happens is after the dude gets stabbed in the neck he accidentally shoots the dude in the front um <laughs> and and the, yeah. dude in the front sort of basically swerves off the road and they run into a, it, it is a compactor the only thing that is there to be ran into but it really bothers Somehow. me why there's a why there's a compactor in the middle of a sunflower field. Like, sunflower yeah, why? Field. Why? What do you? What do you? Are you bailing sunflowers? Like, like, even if they were harvesting sunflowers, it wouldn't make sense to me to just leave a a a harvester in the middle of the field. It you also know? wouldn't make sense that this dude would get shot and swerve off the road at the exact perfect time and angle to hit the only thing out there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> granted they weren't going that fast. Either way, they they hit they hit the compactor. The girl passes out. She wakes up later, sees him gone from the back of the truck. Police officer in the back is dead. Dude in the front looks dead. Um, and then she looks in the back and sees basically him with the we'll just call her the, the orphanage mom or something. Um, and. and she she she's basically getting her face cut off and we know this because we we've seen the movies before and uh so the 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 girlfriend is on basically picks up the uh radio and starts saying he's cutting her face he's cutting her face and uh the gas station guy hears this and basically what i I think he calls sally so yeah he calls so sally after the events of the original movie, and this needs to be explained, I guess, because it doesn't yeah. make sense otherwise. She stayed in Texas, although she wasn't originally from Texas. She stayed in Texas after her brother and all of her friends are killed and becomes a Texas Ranger and spends 50 years hunting down Leatherface and never finds him. Yeah. And, and so he calls Sally and she, so Sally's just like, I guess I'm back at it again. She's butchering a pig, and there's this big, like, I, I guess it's supposed to be really edgy or something, where she, like, snatches her bloody apron off and throws it on the ground and puts on a cowboy hat. Like, it was, it was, it was awful. And so Sally just, um, but, and I was a little saddened uh, because uh, the original actress who played Sally passed away in 2014. 
Um, and but but this new actress that played Sally, I I thought honestly had the gumption. When I first watched it, I thought it was her. Yeah, because it, she right? looks like her. So similar. Yeah, and until I googled it actually this morning, I didn't know that yeah. the original actress had passed away. You know, yeah, years Marilyn back. Burns. Yeah, died in 2014. Um, and I think she like the last movie she was in was the next generation i don't think she was in the 2013 3d one or in uh um she was not in texas chainsaw and i don't think she was in either the remake remake or the sequel prequel i don't think she was in this yeah but either way uh, it, it was it was the fact that like that actress had passed away, but either way, I I thought this this new one had the gumption and and the uh and and, and the determination to play this character, and she played it really well. I'll I'll give her that. Can I add something else about that whole scene and interaction? Sure. Did like okay, so she's using the sheriff's own inter- like radio system to get in touch. Yeah. Wouldn't it have gone to a dispatcher yes then (laughs) how come the only person that acts is the gas station owner to call sally wouldn't the dispatcher hear that well see no she's a texas ranger he calls the ranger station and asks for her specifically and they tell him to hold and that's when it does the whole she's slaughtering the pig scene but when she shows up at the crash site, when Sally actually goes to, you know, then you hear dispatch over the radio calling for the dead sheriff because there's cops needed in Harlow and he's the only cop that patrols within a 50 mile radius. So they, there, there is actually so did, dispatch. Th- that's the but, issue that I'm having. That dispatch is able to get in touch with them. But then the time frame's also off because after a while they realize something's up. They're not answering. Send someone out to check. And they as Sally comes in. Yeah, exactly. They did send someone to check. But then she doesn't answer the radio saying no one's alive. She just looks at it, goes around, and because that's how Sally does it, man. It's it's yeah. (laughs) But still, no movie stuff. She's just like you know what. I'm doing this alone. She's like, fuck it, let him wait. <laughs> she could have. Yeah. Like, like we said, there's a lot of plot holes, but it's okay, because this is what the movie wants. Now, if that's a good or a bad thing, we will determine later on. I'll tell you how I feel at the end. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Uh, so, they... they effectively after she goes away to the hospital the, the two characters are like well do we have the papers we got to check now and so yeah, they go in the house because they find out so before yeah we missed that point before ruth dies she has the time to text back to her friends in town that the old lady has died in the back of the police van um so they have this whole crisis where mel mel is like oh god like you know we upset this lady so bad she had a heart attack and died. And then Dante is like, nah, it's her fault. Like, she shouldn't have been here. And I own that building, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, well, if she owns the building, 
she has to have the deed, so the deed would be inside. It, it just bothers me that, like, on one point, you, you want, as a viewer, to be like, you know, I should like these characters. But you don't. You absolutely don't like these characters. Because, like, they progressively get either more annoying or just end up being bad people and and like so like you just look at dante and you're like dude i just want you to disappear you and, you root for leatherface in this movie yeah. you're, it, you're like he's coming to get you barbara you know like and you yeah, want it, him to get them it's definitely a it's definitely a, a weird feeling especially after like the first one when you know she's where sally was like at the table at the very end of the movie and they're all like you know screaming at her and doing all the you know <laughs> talking to her and all this it, catatonic grandpa whacks her with a hammer yeah like. <laughs> but like in 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 that part of the movie it's like all right this is intimidating the family is intimidating they're not good people these these kids you know don't deserve this and then you look at this movie and you're like these kids absolutely deserve this within the first five seconds <laughs> yeah, you don't make it 10 minutes into the movie when you're just like when did i start dying like it's weird how they sort of flipped that and and i don't think that was for the better i I, mean, I think don't. i mentioned even when we were watching it that they they seem to maybe unintentionally just because of the way the rest of the movie is kind of ham-fistedly thrown together i don't mm -hmm. feel like it would have been intentional Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not giving enough credit to the writers and directors. But I felt like there were multiple points in this movie where Leatherface is possibly unintentionally humanized more than the people that he is killing. Yeah. Like, you really feel bad for him at certain points because there, there's one point where a character hides in the closet and he comes into the room and he starts rummaging through the closet, but he's not looking for them. He's looking for his dead quote unquote mom's dress. And he's like cuddling it and crying. And like, he puts on, you, the he puts on, on her makeup on her face that he's wearing. And he's like crying in the mirror and stuff. And he has more character development in a movie that has very little to do with the franchise at all than any of the characters that you're supposed to want to survive. Yeah, because in that entire scene, like everything even building up to it, if this wasn't a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, in a sense, you would still be rooting for him because this you are now dealing with a character that has lost everything. Yeah, you His could have thrown any any archetypal slasher character in there and had the same movie, like, and you still would have been like. I hope he gets them all, you know, like, yeah, you could, you could have put like any, any character in there. You, you could have put Bob, the builder murder person yeah. and he, Bob, the builder murder person would have had the exact same motivation to kill these people. <laughs> but that's all it's dealing with though. It's like, you now have a main cast that in every other essence of a movie, you're supposed to be rooting for, especially in the slasher that, intentionally unintentionally kills the killer's mother tells them they need to leave their home their town they no longer own anything 
And you're supposed to hate the killer for fighting at, back after that point? It was like, you took away his mother, you took away his house, you took away his town. If there was no other con- like backstory or context in this film, you're still rooting for him. <laughs> yeah, that's enough, actually. Because he's fighting. He, now he has to fight back. He has. This is going to be like a. Well, yeah, you never didn't realize that you were going to be watching Leatherface versus the man, did you? Like, <laughs> well, this, this is going to be like a really deep cut of a joke. But it, at a certain point, he just becomes unreasonable and just fights back. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm going to do a TLDR here just so uh, it, it makes it a little easier to talk about certain parts in the movie. Uh, effectively, he comes back and starts his revenge. And there are certain parts in this revenge where I, I really want to talk about. Uh, the first one was how Texas, um, or Richter, um, but let's go, with Texas. I'm, I'm yeah, Texas. Texas. Uh, uh, <laughs> w- 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 there's the part where Texas really, really makes this plot move along. He's the sense. best character in the whole damn movie. Honestly, loved him. Ten out of ten. Best, yep. best actor in the movie. Sure enough. <laughs> like he, he, he represents like the good of Texas. He really does. <laughs> and he's almost portrayed in the movie like you're not supposed to like him. And you feel like the two characters that are written in ways that, you know, obviously Leatherface and then Texas, uh, you know, he's kind of more of an antagonistic character because he's not friendly with the, the main cast and stuff like that. But like, it, he's the only one that when, when he died, I was like, no, <laughs> Texas. Oh, after, yeah. I mean, effectively, after, um, after like uh the old lady gets taken away and everything he uh was it was basically like did you guys actually own own this place and then he takes the keys from the bus and says prove it yeah like he immediately his sense of his sense of southern justice kicks in and he's like did you some bitches kill that old lady like it's like you kill her, you, this better be justified. You better have owned her property and kicked her out. If because if not, you have blood on your hands. Yeah, and I I really like the sort of emotions you get from him because it's like you know what he's doing is justified and what he's doing is right. He he has guns for specific reasons. He he's a mechanic. Um, he 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 works on the town. I can't seem to hate his character no matter how much they try to push that sort of story forward where they're like you shouldn't really like him like dude everything about him just represents the good of like what people should be in this movie now they did try to throw the like douchey yee yee boy filter on him but I feel like that still wasn't enough to outweigh the fact that he's by and large the best character in the movie like, would I be yeah. friends with, with Texas in real life? Probably not. Drives a big douchey diesel truck. And you, you know, like, it spews smoke all over people intentionally. That's kind of shitty and it's aggravating. But at the same time, 
I would be friends with him a hell of a lot quicker than I'd be friends with like Dante or Mel. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's someone you can sit down and have a beer with. Exactly. Yeah. Or several even. And they're not going to ask me if I would like an IPA. They, they, <laughs> they, they, they even threw in this weird sort of like part where uh, Lila it has an argument with Mel. And she's like, well, I'm going to do things on my own. And she just wanders over where uh, Richter or Texans is. And um, she starts talking to him about the the gun he has um, on the table. And if this was like any news outlet, they'd be like, that's an AR-15. But um, <laughs> it's an M4. <laughs> but uh, he, he, he shows it off. He, he clears the, the he clears the chamber, takes the mag out. And this this is a part where that kind of bothered me is the mag is out. He doesn't put it back in at any point. But it is magically in the gun later. Yeah. So the the, the mag comes back into the gun later. I mean to no avail. Like but but it is there. Because we yeah. we both mentioned it when we were watching and he dropped that mag on the table. I specifically remember you saying, watch later on. When somebody picks that gun up, it's going to be loaded. And now it wasn't loaded because she yeah, hadn't no, ragged the it bolt was, back. It was, it, was, it was loaded, but it wasn't chambered. Yeah, she hadn't chambered it because she doesn't know how to use a firearm. But there was dev- the magazine was back in the gun, having never been picked back up off that table. Just magic of but, cinema. But at least to be fair, though, they did do gun safety when she asked about it. And before, instead of just handing off a loaded gun, you know, takes the mag out, makes sure nothing's in the chamber. And all, like, all right, here you go. Yeah, no, I appreciated that. And then they again and tried to play difference. into the like, you know, the school shooting thing, which is it. That's an awful subject and an, an awful subject material. Like, I understand the gravity of subject material like that. But I don't feel like the gravity of subject material like that was felt in the movie, although they tried to make it weighty. It, it, it seemed an uncomfortable plot point for the movie that didn't matter enough to the story. It also felt forced. It did. The, very. the only reason it seemed it felt to me that they would bring that up if she's a school shooter survivor, even with a bullet scar on her what was it right shoulder. Right shoulder. Or collarbone. I'll say collarbone. I would just say the front shoulder. Not sure if it went on. But the only reason it felt like they had to bring something like that up was just to have it in the end where she gets over her trauma and she's the one firing the guns now. Yeah, to give her the courageous redemption arc kind of thing that wasn't necessary. The redemption arc is not getting murdered by the chainsaw guy. Can we talk about the one thing that bothered all of us? Which, which I one? immediately called out. <laughs> the bus scene. Oh, okay. I was going to say what happened with the mechanic afterwards. Let's just talk about the bus scene. So, I'm going to say that the bus scene as a whole is both my most favorite and least mm-hmm. favorite scene in the movie. It... Yeah. So it... I'm going to bring another movie into this because it made me feel the same way. Mm-hmm. We've all watched The Last Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. 
do you remember the scene where Luke Skywalker dusts his shoulder off like a douche? In this, like, Gen Z nod to the camera kind of bullshit? Mm -hmm. So, this movie does the exact same thing. And so, at a point, you've got all these people on this bus. Texas has the keys. Nobody's going anywhere, right? But... Of course, you you know, you've set the scene perfectly to have a bunch of people trapped in a bus with a chainsaw-wielding maniac making his way down the aisle, hacking people to bits. And that's exactly what happens. But before that has a chance to happen, Leatherface walks up on this bus, and everyone on it pulls out their phones. And they start recording him. They start live-streaming. And, yeah, and, like, like going TikTok live, whatever. And one character, literally, like one extra, literally looks at this man, big giant man wearing someone else's face, wielding a bloody chainsaw, and says, try anything and you're going to be so cancelled, bro. And I damn near paused the movie to be like, did you guys fucking hear that? Like I've I've never had a moment where I, I, I've literally just paused for a moment and just said Are we really are are we really throwing this line out in, in media where like the writers are so detached of Like has like, cancel culture become a joke to the point like even the people who advocate it don't take it seriously enough not to make it a fucking joke? Like I think cancel culture is the absolute cancer of the world, second only to actual cancer. But, like, I don't know. It, it, it was the dumbest joke. The dumbest. The just the, like, I understand that you're supposed to be like, haha, he's not going to care. He's got a chainsaw. Because my eyes rolled so hard, I literally had to pick them up off the fucking floor. Like,. If the entire premise of your film when doing a slasher is let's go into campy where the entire setting is basically the absurd, the line would work. In all honesty, that line would have been perfect in Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Or John dies at the end. Legitimately speaking, like any of those that the entire setting is the absurd. It is full, like, it has gore and everything and violence. It's a line pulled straight from, like, a... Or even, like, Shaun of the Dead kind of thing, you know? (laughs) Uh, I was was gonna say, it it comes across as, like, an Evil Dead line. Like, you know, if Evil Dead were made now, that's that's the kind of shit somebody would say to Ash. All those settings are absurd. When the entire thing is... Everything has to be. Everything is serious. Yeah, the movie then does it have just this. Comes out of left field. It the movie does have this problem of whether or not, like you as a viewer, don't know whether or not the movie wants you to take it seriously because some of it is handled very seriously, and then some of it's this like obnoxiously eye rolling bullshit. That like one second you've got this like grave subject material of like school shootings and racism. And then, you know, literally 15 minutes later, you've got people live streaming with cell phones telling a, you know, you know, a murderer, hey, I'll cancel you. Like, 
We and then even stuff going on in that chat is oh this is so fake this is you know boring yeah, and it's just, yeah the I live really, stream chat that was like that looks so fake like oh my god I honestly man. feel like uh, the writers are kind of out of touch and in, in that sense like oh, no they are out of touch I'm not going to say kind of they are I'm not gonna, out of touch I'm not going to say they're out of touch it the whole feelings for the writing just felt like this was a movie just it's okay to hate millennials because they get what they deserve that's sort of what it felt like because it played maybe, off maybe of all those stereotypes works. and tropes Be yeah well even the gas station owner was either like you know fucking millennials or some type of crap <laughs> fucking was gentrifiers that the, uh, was that the moral of the story just hey fuck millennials was that was that what they were trying to push across here that's i mean it, it felt like it kind of felt like it because all the main cast are these like hipster millennials like you know fucking silly tea and stone healing kind of people that you know try to gentrify this backwoods texas town and you're immediately like man these guys are all douchebags aren't they and I mean, they are was, they they that was the message it worked like, just don't just don't gentrify a ghost town or you release a killer. I won't hate an entire like generation of people based on a, a cast of throwaway characters in an awful movie that try to cash in on a beloved franchise. But <laughs> I definitely hated every one of the characters. Like they so, they they were pretty I'm gonna, bad. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a few more plot plot points and then uh we can sort of give our final thoughts about it. Um, I we have to get to the end, and I, I'm. <laughs> well, you told me saying, that you wanted uh, me to tell my story during the podcast, and I, I want to tell the story. I'll wait yeah, towards the end. No, it's it's a point to be made before I give my final verdict on this movie. Yeah, sure, sure, absolutely. Um, so at, at certain points, um, during this whole uh, Bubba going on a rampage, we I, there are some things that I found. Um, uh, here, here's a point I, I did want to make is the movie what it does well in is Bubba using two things his infamous chainsaw loved it it and, was chef's kiss it was and and of course the sledgehammer the, so his two sort of key weapons that everyone knows him for using which I think he gets rid of the sledgehammer pretty early on after using it after basically after he's done with the chainsaw yeah once his baby's up and running again he ditches the yeah, hammer because... no he actually ditches it um at the point where one of the girls is trying to sneak down the stairs uh, Mel uh melody oh my god yeah, she doesn't try to sneak down the stairs this chick tries to fucking american ninja warrior her way down she, a plot of stairs trying, it's yeah, so she tries to like so go dumb. down the uh the handrail and and then Bombs jumps over down. the rail, but somehow is able to still walk off having the sledgehammer thrown at her. She falls, her she falls down a whole flight of stairs and through a floor, and then she's just fine. Walks it off like it's nothing. It's like yeah, no, Jill, no, Jill Valentine from the Resident Evil Three remake. You just get she'd probably you know. be impaled if he's able to just throw it that easily, that so accurate. At you. With, with how well he used both of those weapons. Uh, one of the big things that I, I had an issue uh, with this movie was the lack of chains. Or meat hooks. Or cutting yeah. people up. Or skinning anybody. Or wearing yeah. people's faces. Yep. 
we, we damn like, it the things that like made those movies really just stand out they sort of cast to the side and said okay so we're going into this texas chainsaw movie it has chainsaw in the name he's only going to use the chainsaw and, and you as a viewer are like we're missing out on so many things that made the original scary and intimidating the build-up there wasn't, wasn't even that good of like there wasn't many points where you were like okay they kind of got away right now it, it was always him just constantly coming and coming and coming there was never a moment where they were like okay we can we can stop panicking and we they they had it towards the very end but that doesn't really count in my book he he had the michael myers thing where it doesn't matter how yeah. far or fast you run he's always right behind you like which is perfect yes. for Michael Myers, but it's not perfect for building tension in a movie in anything other than a Halloween movie, I feel like. And yeah. it, it was weird, it was... too, because it took so long. Like, so, Roderick, you'll remember the original that there was this, like, ultra tension that just is wound as tight as humanly possible before the big reveal. But when Leatherface comes screaming out of that door with his chainsaw in the original, it is pedal to the fucking floor from then on. Like, and, but it, it's done in a way, like, he's not magical. Like, he doesn't just magically show up. You know, like, he is, he's a very human murderer um, in, in the first one. But I feel like the reveal in this one was lost when you see him at the top of the stairs not wearing someone else's face mm -hmm. and then he gets in the van with his not mom mom and like it by the time he's got chainsaw in hand like you're you, almost you, you not excited for it real. anymore yeah like you're like yay but this is it's like riding a roller coaster but this is the 20th time you've rode it yeah and so you know only mildly exhilarating <laughs> yeah um i i'll definitely also say that sally showing up bubba in this movie really you you you, you made a reference to michael myers he almost feels like they they tried to copy halloween the entire time because every time he shot stabbed uh or anything like that. He basically does exactly what Michael Myers does. Takes the hit, pauses for like two seconds, and then keeps going. Yeah, like shrugs it off like it's nothing. And this kid, this dude has shot multiple times with what is obviously supposed to represent a 12-gauge shotgun. Yeah. Um, with a grand total of three <laughs> times a, before the final how, how conflict... The how the holes work, you know, how, like when he's shot, it's not, it's not like birdshot or buckshot because clearly buckshot and birdshot have a spread on it. So when it impacts someone, you would see like multiple shot wounds or something like that. When he shot, it's a hole, a single hole. So we can conclude that that shotgun is holding slugs. Dude shrugs off three slugs to the chest. One of them hits him in the shoulder. But yeah. the other two definitely the hit him in the, in the chest. Too. Still, like, 
upper abdomen, like you know where your vitals are. Oh yeah, like, and he uh, apparently he off, huh? apparently he's impervious to bullets. I don't know. And the one thing that that uh, that I I the the part that bothered me the most when they were attacking him was um, after there was this one part where they're near like a pool or some water ditch thing i don't know uh a well in in the middle of a house it's <laughs> um, a movie theater, theater. Yeah. but yeah there's a hole in the floor that is just inexplicably filled with water he tackles her in and <laughs> somehow she gets away this is the and... younger of the two sisters too we're not talking about the badass yeah. texas ranger sally who's already been gutted and thrown across the street I, very I unceremoniously before, before we continue with the scene i do want to point out this is one of my this is probably the only favorite scene that i have just because of what leatherface does so he, he tackles her into the water and apparently she gets out and it's just like oh he drowned and he gets out. No, no, he doesn't just get out. He dolphin dives. <laughs> he Jason Voorhees launches out of the water, like literally the end of the first Friday the Thirteenth movie. Yeah, he like, had a propeller strapped to his ass. To get mo- out. Motherfucker comes out of the water like yeet. <laughs> and there's there's this other part of that scene where he, where he throws and we have problem with this and i, I we're just gonna talk about it it's the, the chainsaw flinging yeah he, he throws a chainsaw and it hits her ankle and they they break scene immediately after it hits the ankle or like right before so well we you hear know. this like sheen noise like it cut her she screams and she falls down yeah now I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, which I'm not, because I We've spent about this. 25 years cutting wood to heat my houses throughout the years. Uh-huh. When you let go of the chainsaw, Roger, yes. what does it do? It, uh, you know, dies. It quits spinning, right? Yep. Yep. It stalls. Yeah, that wouldn't cut you, would it? Nope. Nope. It might prick you, but it won't cut you. That's, but, but it's still implied. That's the point. That's the only point she we have falls to make. Over and and then she's just like ah. And then she crawls across the ground, like, like her, her ankle like her, has just been cut. Yeah, like her Achilles heel's been like cut. But her then Achilles, I'm I'm gonna rephrase this. Her Achilles heel has been cut, as but, what they're implying. But then she stands up two minutes later. Yep, just fine. And then she puts two additional rounds into this man, who has now taken roughly five slugs to the chest. Still but fine. this still doesn't kill him. And now she's out of bullets. So what happens? Of course the big sister, who no one cares about, shows up and grabs his chainsaw and doesn't and, rev and it. Doesn't does, rev it. Does about the only thing that I could think of that you could do to a person with a chainsaw that probably wouldn't kill them. And just simply smacks him in the face with it. She uppercuts him with right. it. Yeah, she yeah, uppercuts, yeah, in the chin. And so Leatherface falls it. backwards into this pool of water and just sinks. And that's what they're you like, think is uh, the end, right? They're like, ah, the end. That's He's it. Dead. We're fine. We got away. Can time we, to, can we talk about the Tesla? Hold on. 
time to both stand up normally, shake our shake our you know hands together. We're not gonna limp towards this cart. They're also not going to walk away from the pool of water where the mass murderer just fell in. Not sure if he's dead or not. They stand right on the edge of it. Now, nothing happens. It should have, but it doesn't. Because they they just immediately, they, they, they don't, they're not like, fuck, let's get outside. Like, nothing. They just stand there and hug each other. Like, like we did it. Yay. <laughs> and again, we're, oh, we're also yeah. dealing with the fact that one girl is implied to have her ankle cut by the chainsaw. The and other the one, one had, had a piece of rebar, rebar through the leg. Yeah, and she was pinned into a car that this has never explained how she got out of that. It's just... <laughs> the magic of cinema. But but well, yeah, the, 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 if you can't tell, guys, we weren't... None of us were fans of the end of this movie. But I have to say that we we missed we glossed over a scene that I feel like bears mentioning. Okay. Um, when Sally shows up in town, the girls have just you know escaped the bus where Leatherface has just decimated roughly twenty people, um, and you know Sally pulls up in her whatever. Ford Ranger or some kind of crap and and the girls run up to her her SUV and she just rolls down the window and she's like jump in the back and so these girls jump in the back of this police car now the back of a police car doesn't open from the inside and instead of letting them go or getting them out of town Sally asks if it's Leatherface like these girls know who that is and then tells them that she can't let them leave because they're the ones that he wants. And so they can't leave until Sally kills him. And because what, what she does is, so she notices a light on in the orphanage. She goes inside, she goes upstairs, and Leatherface has his chainsaw on the floor, and he's just simply sitting in a chair. Just sitting there, like he's given up. I don't know why. That doesn't, I don't, like, they're, the girls are still there. They've not escaped. Why does he quit now? Like, what, does he feel like he's lost? It's not explained why he's, you know, up there and has just given up or whatever. Um, but she pulls the shotgun on him, and she's like, you know, do you remember me? Do you remember what you did to my friends and my brother? And he doesn't say anything, obviously, because... As anyone who's a fan of the franchise knows, he doesn't speak. Um, and so she just kind of like gets upset that this mass murderer doesn't remember that he murdered her friends 50 years ago. And doesn't know her name, which I don't know that he would have known her name. She asks him, she's like, say my name. And my brain was like, what an oddly written line. Because yeah. your name was never known to the Sawyers in the first movie. He doesn't speak. He wouldn't know your name. Like, even if he did remember you, he wouldn't know your fucking name. It's a weird line. And it bugged me, I guess. Like, if you, like I'm talking about it almost too much, I feel like. But the, the, that scene, I felt like, was... 
just weird. Like they took her character and they built it up to be this badass, the one that got away, the Jamie Lee Curtis of the Texas Chainsaw Texas franchise. If you, yeah, this badass fucking Chuck Norris chick, you know, fucking. But but she's not because she shows up and then she immediately has this fucking hissy fit over the fact that the mass murderer doesn't remember her or or murdering her friends and she lets him get up. He hears Mel. And Lila screaming outside, locked in Sally's vehicle. He gets up, now like reinvigorated with whatever rage it is that he has, and grabs his chainsaw and walks out the door past her. It's like now that he doesn't remember that, you know, remember her and why how he slighted her, she now doesn't care to get her revenge in that moment like like it's not worth it if she can't hammer the point home to somebody who obviously is mentally incapable of gathering said point to begin with like it was a weird scene and it by far was probably other than the cell phone scene my least favorite and it i feel like we we kind of skipped over because we've talked so long and I know that we try to keep these episodes short. This one's going to be long, and I'll try to cut it down anywhere I can. Um, but I feel like we kind of glossed over Sally's whole point in the movie because she was, you know, another bit of pretty heavy fan service. But I felt like they took this fan service and then immediately shit on the character. Like, you know? No, I mean, of course, she immediately redeems herself. <clears throat> and comes out and like shoots Leatherface with her shotgun and cackles like a mad woman, which was awesome. Mm. Um, but like the damage had been done already, and like the 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 entire events of the climax of the movie were only a- able to happen because she kind of whisked out and didn't shoot him when she should have. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, that scene was definitely. Uh... Uh, it, it didn't feel like the character that wanted to stand up to Leatherface. It felt like the character that was just like, why don't you remember me? You, you were the one that hurt my friends. But, well, it was yeah. more of his family. I think but, I used the word earlier, and I, it's almost the only word I can think of to fit this scene, is ham-fisted. Yeah. You know, like it's very heavy handed, kind of on the nose, kind of definitely trying really hard to be an emotional scene in a movie that doesn't like lend itself well. Yeah. The movie doesn't lend itself well to this scene. The scene itself isn't very well done. And had it been cut out and, you know, the. the, Yeah. The. The altercation between Leatherface and Sally when they finally do have their little, you know, 30 second fight or whatever, which is pretty well done and is ripped almost entirely straight from a Dead by Daylight match. Um, It would have been a better movie if that scene had been left out of it. Yeah. (laughs) This whole movie as a whole would have been a better movie if it wasn't made. 
but what what I will say about the final scene, and we we can give our thoughts immediately <clears throat> after that. Are we talking about the I'm final final scene? Final final scene. Okay. Here so we go. They they're both walking to the car, not limping. Still bothers me. Um, <laughs> yep, no problem at all. Still walking. Look, we know this franchise obviously has no problem with just ignoring continuity as a whole. They they, they it's apparently full daylight too. They unapologetically get into the car. They're smiling at each other. There's dead people like 20 feet from you. Smiling at each other. Um, Cracking jokes. They activate the autopilot on their Tesla. Yeah, it it is the cheesiest thing to have. Open the windows, open the sunroof. They're like, we're going to have a great day. You and me, sister. We're going to move in this town together. Wait, I, I don't think the windows were open. I think it was just no, the they opened the sunroof, but not the windows because okay, he... so the sunroof. Yeah, but either way, it doesn't change the just gratuity of this whole scene. Then the the older sister is grabbed from the car. Leatherface puts his his hand through the window because he's obviously not dead. Because well, you know, one of those scream rules of horror movies is they always come back. And, and he does. He does the whole uh, scene for scene. Well, he grabs the older sister yeah. and snatches her out of the car and then cuts her head off and hoists it over his head in the middle of the road. Now, meanwhile, the Tesla is on autopilot yep. and the little it's sister's driving not driving it. It's driving away by itself. She Just is hanging by the way. out of the sunroof, screaming you know, at this scene of him standing in the street, you know, beheading her sister. And then there is a shot for shot recreation of the last scene of the original movie. Roger, how did it make you feel? Um, ignoring every other part. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it, it obviously felt campy, but, um, I, I, I had mixed feelings about them doing the shot-for-shot scene there because they could have created something different. Now, for um, anybody who's not aware of what this shot-for-shot scene is, do you want to describe it? it it's where he, like, flails the, the chainsaw, like, left and right and, and slashes through. He's, like, spinning around in the street, like, waving a chainsaw around, almost, like, like just my, madly flailing it. Yeah, and that's how the original movie ended with him just screaming in the middle of the street, flailing a chainsaw around, and that's also exactly how this movie ends. Exactly, exactly. It's weird. It's (laughs) it. They could have come up with something different. They didn't have to do that. Part of me, they they could have like done. It didn't have to be the same movements. They honestly could have done something slightly different. As a guilty pleasure fan service thing, if you go yeah, into this movie looking for nothing but callbacks and fan service, it's got that shit in spades. Spades yeah. and spades and more spades. But that's all it is. And it's not done in a way that lends itself well to an actual story being told. So. Yeah. 
All right, boys. Uh, I think it's time for our normal ratings. Uh, from uh, we're actually going to change it up a little bit. Uh, instead of a one to ten system or one to five, we are going to do it as a one out of twenty. Oh. So who's going first? We're gonna have uh, to pull straws, or no, no, no. Since 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 I was the one that that threw the rating system in, uh, I would probably give it a uh, nine out of twenty. A nine out of twenty, a little less than a fifty percent. Yeah, I enjoyed it for the the murder, but story fell flat for me. Music was not memorable. Names were not memorable. Um. As far as fan service, that's why I gave it that good number, and I'm calling it a good number because of that. That's fair. Um, I I definitely sat there for two hours, and watched it. I didn't walk away. I wasn't angry. Um, I, I was angry at one point, but it was not enough to make me walk away out of like pure spite or anything like that. I I definitely say that. I, I sat through the movie. I, I I enjoyed bits and pieces of it. Nine out of twenty. Nine out of twenty. All right. Caveman. It it's sort of I'm gonna have to be given out too because this all depends on the perspective you want to look at it. If you well, that's why I movie, like yours because you've not seen the other ones. So this is just well, like, like a standalone well, like I said, movie it's bits and for pieces. you. I I know some of the background information dealing with this franchise granted it's been forever since i've seen a lot of the older ones but for this one particularly if you go in like looking for a full-on just slasher fit gore fest and all that stuff you that's basically like a 15 plus on a rating right there because it gives you that but and that and that's only if you're like going in rooting for the villain to just, you know, do whatever. If you're going in trying to look for like a memorable movie or a story, then you're looking less than a four. Because there was nothing. At least for me. That that's why I sort of have to give out two. Just That's fair, yeah. Your final score is a two out of twenty. Like like I said, I gave out two of them. So oh, he's giving it a two out of twenty and a fifteen out of twenty, depending on your perspective. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Again, if it if it's just a straight on, you just want a slasher fic gore. Yeah, this movie's perfect for that. It gives you that slow so, build up to it, but it gives you that. It's if like we, if we if we did an average here, <laughs> if if it's anything memorable. If, if, if we did an average out of here, then it would be like a seven uh, and a half. <laughs> it, it, it would be forty-two percent. So essentially, it, it, it still failed, but um, and that's just being very, very generous with it. All right. So I have like a a, a small disclaimer, and it's something that I told to Rodrick last night. Yeah. When I was a kid, um. The year is 2003 and, you know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake comes out with Jessica Biel and I am just like, I am 11 years old. Now you know how old I am in real life. Um, 
and I begged my dad, I just got into horror movies, you know, and I begged my dad, I'm like, please take me to the theaters to watch this movie. And he does. And I am absolutely shitting it for the first, like, you know, good half an hour of this movie. I mean, it's got Arlie Emery as the sheriff. It's just wholly uncomfortable. The tension's ramped up to fucking, you know, so tight you could cut air with it. Like, it's, it's, it's insane for me as an 11-year-old. Um, and watching the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake at 11 years old literally gave me, like, a five-year-long phobia of chainsaws. Um, and so I, this franchise is a franchise that I have like a lot of love for. Um, that being said, I don't think I'm going to be as critical on this movie as you guys were. Um, if looked at as what they tried to do with it as like a retcon and like a rebranding of a franchise, it's awful, but I can't look at it that way because that's not what it is i don't care who bought the rights to the movies i don't care you know if netflix tries to make a sequel which they obviously are going to if you know that little post-credit scene had any implication at all um it had leatherface in it man and he cut up a bunch of people with a chainsaw and i he even threw the chainsaw at a moving vehicle and it was cool it was a it was the cast sucked. Most of the movie fell flat. The social commentary was unwarranted and ham-fisted and just gratuitous. Um, which just makes it a modern-day slasher movie, I guess, because at this point, aren't they all like that? That's true. Um, like, go find me any other slasher flick that's been made in the last 10 years that doesn't fuck up in all the same ways. Um, like I'm of the, the school of thought that they really don't make these kinds of movies well anymore. Um, but I'm going to give Netflix's rendition, if you will, of the Texas chainsaw massacre, a 12 out of 20 is I feel like it did a little better than, than 50%, but only a little. Like, I'm going to give it a 60 out of, <laughs> out of 100. It still failed. But uh, I watched it twice. <laughs> if that says anything, I watched it by myself first. And then because I saw it on Netflix and I was like, well, let's bite this bullet. And I just watched it. And then I immediately contacted Roderick and was like, you're not going to enjoy this but I want you to watch this and I want to talk about it because I feel like it warranted being talked about. Um, yeah. I mean, as... considering that we both grew up enjoying uh, the, the original films and we've both seen all of the films, all of them. Yes. Um, I, I even watched Texas Chainsaw 3d when it came out. Um, so A better I... sequel than this one was. Yes. Yeah. Not even a good movie. Still a better sequel than this one was. But I, I watched it. And so like I've seen I, I've seen and I've gone through all the other ones. And and we we both went into this with kind of low expectations anyways. Um because Netflix has not been kind 
to these kinds of movies. No. Um, but I, I I still wanted to go into it with as little bias as possible. So I that's what I tried to do at the start. Um, but with a lot of the points that they were trying to pull across or the ham fisting or whatever we want to call it here is is honestly why I, I i gave it the rating i'm still happy that i watched the movie and i'm glad that people are still trying to do something with the franchise um could have been taken a different direction absolutely but in the end we, we did go into it sort of knowing that this was realistically the only reason we were going to enjoy it is because he's running around being being Leatherface with a chainsaw. That's yeah, being good really, old the, that's what all three of us basically went into this movie going going for. And I, I'm cool with that. It's yeah. just how, how each of us took it basically gave what our ratings were. Yeah. But yeah, so if general, you want yeah, if you want to watch Bubba Sawyer hack some people up with a chainsaw. There's a particularly spicy bus scene in this movie. It was good. Yeah. It was a good scene. Best scene in the movie. If you can get past the first 30 seconds of that scene, the rest of that scene is the best scene in the movie. But that's a, the, the bus scene is my least and most favorite scene in the whole movie. Ironically, <laughs> ironically my favorite scene was not the scene where he actually had a chainsaw. Favorite scene, him fighting Richter. Oh, the the fist fight, dude! That was yeah. cool. Yeah, that was a good with, scene. With, with yeah. the sledgehammer. Yeah. Even though it made me flinch. Oh God! Yeah. I liked it, and I liked. I I I will say though, I I actually no, I'll bump it up to a ten, and this is why I'm bumping up to a ten because I just thought of this. The prop work that they did in this was very nifty. Um, when he, when, when, when Bubba finally like cracks his like shin in with the mm. sledgehammer mm-hmm. and then he, he like pushes his neck through that glass and then he's on the floor and starts smashing his head in. That scene was very well done. Like I... that looked like a quarter of the budget of this movie. the different blood and 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 all the props that 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 went into this for making it a believable murder absolutely is why i'm bumping this up a point and 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 honestly i might bump it at two but that that went i'm a little iffy on that but well even the the bus scene the effects in that like with it where he fucking literally like like I don't know how it happens, but at one point Leatherface ends up with some dude's leg in his hand and he just like tosses it over his shoulder. And I, it was just so chaotic and you've got like, it's a party bus and there's strobe lights and blood everywhere. And like, it is, yeah, yeah, it's spicy, but I guess that's it for this particular episode. Yeah. We uh, appreciate you guys stopping by listening to a sort of banter about uh, this film. Um, I guess uh, what I'd like to say is uh, we we hope to see, see you guys on the next one. Um, are we going to go with uh, what wh- what do you think we should do next? Because like we 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 I, I believe what we talked about was that we were going to go with the new screen movie and then we were going to rewatch 
all of the old Texas chainsaws and then all of the screams and then compare them. So that is, yeah, I think that that was our idea last night. Um, was yeah. the so the next episode we're gonna cover the the newest addition to the Scream franchise, um, which we've got a lot of lot of things to say about that. Um, <laughs> but after that episode, um, we're gonna go back and I, I, maybe we can cut them down, you know, make them shorter episodes because they're older movies that people have seen a million times. Um, but go back and we kind of want to do like a retrospective of, um, just the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. And then afterwards, depending on how you guys feel, you know, once we're done with that, we thought about revisiting the Scream franchise as a whole as like a retrospective series. And, uh, so while Texas Chainsaw was Artie's favorite, and I did mention that it was one of my favorites. Um, my absolute favorite horror film series of all time has been the Scream series. And uh, we we probably have reversed sort of thoughts on, on at least Artie and me, on both of these films. Yes, um, probably. So like how, how much you love Texas Chainsaw influenced how you rated this one. How much I love Scream will probably influence how much I love that one. I'm probably going to give it a lower number than you're going to. I'm just yeah. going to throw that out there. That's probably true. But... There were several times where, like, I'm pretty sure I, like, audibly rolled my eyes while we were watching this movie. Um, but but we'll get into that. Yeah, I, I definitely say thanks for uh, joining us once again. This was Crankshaft. Um, if you want to, uh, you can join our Discord or... Um, with uh and gaming and uh these guys have definitely done a lot for us and they they always been there for us and this is sort of us sort of wanting to give back to them as well as um just let, wanting you guys be part of our community um we are on spotify right now i i don't know if we want to get on youtube but we'll we'll talk about that maybe the next episode if we decide to do that. But uh hope to hear from you guys and thanks for joining. All right. Hope you all take care out there. Bye now. <laughs>